Hello everyone and welcome to the Healing My Earth, Healing Me podcast, the podcast where we explore different concepts and ideas on how our actions are affecting our environment and how that goes back to our own health and well-being. So after the initial podcast about monoculture farming, then diving into an introduction about permaculture, I wanted to learn more about monoculture farming. So quick recap. Monoculture is a single crop repeatedly grown on the same land. And this is usually and these are usually commodity crops like soy, wheat, barley or corn. <laughs> How many times do you see them when you're reading the ingredients list when you're walking through the supermarket? So companies have manufactured special strains of these crops and special fertilizers and pesticides to optimize the yields of the crops. So as I mentioned in the last podcast, it was more for efficiency and um, profit as well. So with technological advances from perfecting monocultures, crops are able to grow in scenarios where naturally they would have struggled. Well, yeah, that's well and good for efficiency's sake. When one crop's planted repeatedly on the same land, certain nutrients become depleted from the soil and that's because of the crop's specific nutrient demand. So I found this study that's they've seen that the earth's soil is depleting at more than 13% at the rate at which it's at which it can be replaced. So here's another crazy finding. Around about 75% of the world's crop varieties have been lost over the last 100 years, and that's because of the soil depletion. And they found that this time frame corresponds roughly to the beginning of monoculture farming, which dates back to the 1900s. Any any correlation there? Hmm, something to something to think about and maybe look into more yourself. Um, maybe I'll dive deeper into that as well. We'll see which rabbit hole I choose. So instead of rotating different crops to match with the seasons and naturally restore the nutrients and vitamins that are found in the soil, monoculture farming causes the same nutrients to diminish from the ground. One of the key nutrients in crop growth is nitrogen. So plants like soy are able to, quote-unquote, fix nitrogen from the air back into the soil, whereas crops like corn can't do that. So if you don't rotate between nitrogen-fixing plants and non-nitrogen-fixing plants, the soil will be depleted of this vital nutrient. So to continue planting a single crop on the same land, these nutrients must be replaced some way. And that created the demand for chemical fertilizers. So these massive blocks of land dedicated to monoculture attract weeds and insects who typically favour a certain type of plant. If there's a variety of crops in one field, bugs and weeds probably won't be as likely to go near the crops they don't like. But if there are acres and acres of a crop that those specific weeds and insects like, then (laughs) that's kind of a spell for disaster right there. And in comes herbicides and pesticides. So these are often used on top of fertilizers. Many weeds have become resistant to these herbicides after years of application, and that creates super weeds, which 
lead to the use of more and more lethal herbicides. So that leads me to one of the infamous active ingredients in herbicides, glyphosate. So you've probably seen it in um, this famous brand of herbicide called Roundup. So what is glyphosate? Glyphosate's a small compound that's been sold as an active ingredient in herbicide formulations, and that started in 1974. And it's been marketed as having no effect in animals because they say that it's designed to specifically inhibit an enzymatic pathway required for protein synthesis. Essentially growth, but specifically for plants. So over the years, regulatory agencies have looked into glyphosate and its potential effects on organisms that aren't intended to be targeted. So in the last decade, assessments seem to be focused on how glyphosate has been seen to be a carcinogen and its genotoxicity as well. And a neuroscientist at University of Calgary says there's evidence starting to accumulate in the scientific literature that it might have other toxic effects. End quote. There's a lot of systems besides cancer that can be affected. So where did this all start? So as I mentioned earlier, it was first registered in 1974 as an active ingredient in Roundup. And it's now available in many commercial herbicide products. And farmers have relied on glyphosate-based herbicides to kill unwanted vegetation for more than four decades. But it's <laughs> but it sparked hefty debate in 2015 when the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer concluded that it was probably carcinogenic. Now, I'm personally finding all of these quite alarming and definitely glad I'm looking into this now as I'm planning to set up my mini garden here at home. And throughout that, I was looking for more recent articles and I found this one that the ABC shared a few months ago in March. And they're finding that it's everywhere. And this study was led by Associate Professor Federico Mag. Maggi, sorry if I mispronounced that, from the Sydney Institute of Agriculture. And he said that the map was based on research compiled over years of global study. So I'll link the article in the show notes because it's actually quite interesting seeing the map and you'll be able to see which ones have, which parts of the globe have glyphosate. So the research found that glyphosate and associate byproducts of the chemical were detected in a majority of the globe's so- soil. So definitely check out that article and you'll be as shocked as I am. So the director of the Sydney Institute of Agriculture, Professor Alex McBratney, also said that there had been localised data and anecdotal evidence of glyphosate contamination for a while now here in Australia. And now that this study has come out, it just shows more accurately, which is which is great. So there's better transparency in the data and how they can take action from that. And all my big data and data analytics geeks out there, you'd love this. 
Now, Dr. McBratney says that although we think glyphosate is environmentally friendly, there are some residues from it that are building up in the soil. And we're not sure whether those residues have any environmental consequences. That's a quote from the ABC article. Followed by, and I'm glad he said this, I'm certainly concerned that there are effects from using large amounts of glyphosate, and we have developed our food systems to use large amounts of glyphosate. End quote. So why I started getting concerned, and this article shares a similar concern as well, is that resistance to this compound is growing, and that's increasing the need to overuse herbicides. Though we could use other technologies and methods other than continuing to use these herbicides excessively. Now, I feel like that was a lot to take in. For me, it was, and I was a bit shocked by some of the stuff because this is not my area of expertise and this is why we're all learning together. And one action I'd like to encourage you all to take is to do your research on what you're putting in the garden, what you're putting in the soil and how you think that can affect your body as well. It's some of these we might not see the short-term effects, but there are long-term effects and definitely want to prolong our lives. Well, that's definitely a priority of mine. And I'm actually putting a deck in one part of the house and in the process of that my dad has given me um this pesticide and I'm like I don't want to poison the ground um he's like no no but you don't want weeds to go grow over there I'm like hmm okay just let me have a look at the bottle and how I've applied this to myself is so I'm putting a deck in our center courtyard and I've been given I've been given this pesticide by a family member to put underground to avoid weeds from growing in the deck area. So naturally, I was curious about the chemical that I've been advised to put under there. And, well, a quick Google search of what's written on the bottle has showed me that I can't, I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's polyethoxylated taloamine or POEA. Uh, someone tell me if I pronounced that right or wrong, I don't know. And... I did a bit of a search um, on Google Scholar and only found a few articles. And there's some articles that say there's no specific effects on human health. And there's some that also say that it's more deadly to human embryonic, placental and umbilical cord cells than the herbicide itself. And that the proprietary mixtures available on the market could cause cell damage and even death at the residual levels. That's for plants anyway. And the research team suspects that it might cause pregnancy problems, and this is for other herbicides as well. Um, and round, they've mentioned Roundup in a few different studies as well. So pregnancy problems by interfering with hormone production and possibly leading to abnormal fetal development with low birth weights or miscarriages. And so much more, and those relate back to glyphosate as well. But I'm going to end it there. I hope that encourages you to just look into things a bit more. There are other more natural ways to avoid pests and weeds in your garden. Um, 
and talk a bit about this in the next episode, which is going to be with Alastair Tullock. He's a part of Tullock Wineries over here at the Hunter Valley, and they're a carbon-neutral winery here in Australia. And I absolutely love what they stand for. Their wines are beautiful. Went over there to volunteer to plant some trees at the winery and the property, which was beautiful. And that's a part of their efforts on implementing more regenerative practices and kind of linking back to what Monty said last week, where we can use different plants to um, repel pests and nourish the soil again. And there's other bugs as well and other animals that you can mix into that permaculture goodness. So definitely tune in next week. And thank you for listening to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And I'm excited to catch you at the next episode.